0: Good evening and uh, a welcome back to another edition of. Oh, who are we going to get to do it? Let's get Steve on it.
1: Football? Oh, oh, bloody hell. Immaculate.
0: That's a good one. The beautiful one. Uh, <laughs> joining us tonight is, uh, well, Steve Rutter, as you've just heard. Evening. Is that and Steve Rutter all... or is
1: that Adrian Hopper? I can't tell.
0: <laughs> the impersonation
2: mate. was immaculate. Bearing in mind, you can see me on the screen. That's quite insulting. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry, <laughs> mate.
1: <laughs> if you
0: shut your eyes the listeners at home they've got no idea also joining us as you've just heard is mr rick hyatt welcome back again rick
1: evening how are we you all right
0: yeah cold but good cold and well was wet but inside and dry um i imagine the same for you as well
1: snuggled up by the fire sorted lovely yeah.
0: and uh of course it's myself tom bailey as a well, us three, we will be running through um, the Yeovil game from last night. We will start with that, with Bath City losing at home 1-0 to the Mighty Glovers, getting back to winning ways after a three-game winless run. I was there, but I feel I should ask questions for those of you that were at home. Um, Steve, did you listen in or, or watch in at all, or was this purely a uh, see the result at the end?
2: No, unfortunately, I just saw the result at the end. Yeah. Um, but the thing that did strike me like was the attendance, you know, 3,600 plus. And it just reminded me of the old days when, you know, under the Brian Hall era, and Tony Ricketts at Bath and we played them on Boxing Day or we played them in, um, you know, league games in midweek and the crowds were massive. Um, and it's a throwback to those days, isn't it? It's terrific. Yeah, it feels like a proper West
0: Country derby. It, it fired up after the Goldsby fails. A bit flat, in my view, at least... I expected a bit more from both sides in terms of atmosphere. Rick, I know you mentioned you were listening in. Of um, course. Firstly, I hope we did it. We did a good job of covering that. Secondly, um, what were your thoughts on the on the game as well?
1: It wasn't a, a thriller, was it? It was one of those ones that uh, you look at the result at the end of the season, and you're thankful that you got you got the points, and you and you move on by the sounds of it. But then it's sort of it's it's odd. I don't know what you you boys think, but I don't like I don't like it when I see a a five three two or a five one two whatever. I don't like the oval playing with with five at the back personally.
0: I'm exactly the same. I uh, we we actually started with the with the five back or the three back, and then um, about thirty minutes in, especially after Whittle came off, him mm-hmm. um, got shuffled out, and we played with a back four, and we actually looked a little bit better. So. I, I'm not personally sure why he's switched to this three at the back formation. It didn't work last season. It didn't work at the start of the se- Well, it didn't work effectively at the start of the season. Switched to a back four, went on a 14 game winning run. Now he's switched back again. I don't know. Maybe I'm not versed in there.
2: I suppose, it, I mean, I didn't see the game, but you know, a lot depends really on what, you, what your wing backs are. Because if they're attacking minded players, then obviously it might be 3 5 2 rather than yeah. 5 3 2. And and so their their skills and qualities really determine you know how you would put that formation down on paper. Um, You'd have to tell me: are the two wider players are they mainly defensive? In which case, you're trying to stay nice and tight and compact. Or are they more offensive? In which case, instead of having four at the back, you've only got three, so you've actually you know you've committed an extra body forward. So you can see it whichever way you want really. But the beauty of us. As pundits, is that we don't have to be judged by the results, do we? Exactly, we don't. <laughs> have the lot, obviously, <laughs> there's, there's, there's no can, outcome. Exactly, point. we don't. We can we can pick any system we want and any player we want, and we're never wrong. It out never it. fails,
1: <laughs> does it? I mean, I don't know. No. What you, I don't know what you think, Tom, but I th- I think the fullbacks at Yeovil at the moment are more fullbacks rather than being wing-backs. Certainly, Michael Smith. I mean, I know he's the greatest player ever to grace this planet. It as is I've true, been reliably informed, but he but he's not what you would you would consider like a thrusting wing-back that gets forward at every available no, opportunity. Yeah.
0: He definitely feels um, more traditional. Um, he's very good with someone in front of him to hold the play up yeah. and then he makes the overlapping run where he doesn't get that with a with a um, three-back formation. Um, just a lot of... It felt a lot like hoofball as well, just lumping it long, flick-ons from Fisher. There's no bodies there because everyone is still back. There, there's no bodies upfield for him to flick on too and then when we switched and started getting more bodies up front i mean will doors as the left wing back and then moved into a sort of left midfield left wing role and suddenly the game completely changed he was brilliant going forward and well, there were bodies. that's what was, he's played most of the season for.
1: isn't it really yeah in with a with a fullback behind him and in yeah. in that support of the of the front players so it does seem a bit i mean ov- obviously the manager's got his reasons for it and he's he's happy with it but it's not exactly as you, as you said before. It's not the most successful way way that Yeovil play.
0: Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's just we're not fans of it. I mean, at the end of the day, he'll also point to a one one zero win and say yeah. that look, like, we've we've been successful with it and we played well against Wrexham as well. So it's too early to judge as well. But I'm personally more of a, a four four man defence kind of a kind of viewer. So obviously Yeovil winning last night six points now clear at the top of the table with a game in hand um, and they will take that well hopefully the start of another run uh, going into the Saturday game against Dartford now Dartford currently 13th in the table uh, eight wins four draws and eight losses so pretty average start for them Um, I actually expected them to be up and around the playoffs towards the end of the season so it could be interesting to see how this one goes and of course they did hammer Torquay in their last home game as well so I think this could be an interesting game. Got a couple of decent players as well. George Alexander, who we, uh, well, who I've at least seen a bit of. Uh, he was playing for Slough, scored a lot of goals for them, got recording, and is now back at um, Dartford. So I think he's going to be the man to watch. I think we'll just try and go. I gave as much as I can. There you go. Uh, let's see what the others think of a prediction. We're going to get a quick prediction out and then we'll move on to the Premier League bits as we've not got... Uh, a ton of time, and we've got a lot of Premier League to cover. So we'll start with Rick' prediction for Dartford versus Yeovil.
1: I got a funny feeling it's going to be a draw. There've been a lot of away games back to back just recently, and as you say, Dartford are probably underachieving at the moment, and Yeovil just seem to have now the runs come to an end. Just seem to have lost that spark. So I think that it'll be a case of uh, not wanting to lose that one and then we won't get on to it too much now but next weekend's looks like a tough fixture as well. So the, the games are coming, the, the, you're playing against the top half of the table now so win your home games, draw your away games, I think a, a solid performance and, and come out with a point and should be happy with that.
0: Yeah, coming to the end of a six-game away run which is, well, at least for myself, I don't think I've seen that for quite a long time so... <laughs> Thankfully, we'll be back home. I'm sick of travelling as well now. Steve, what are your thoughts? Any predictions for Darwin versus Yeovil?
2: No, to be honest, I think I'd agree with Rick. I think, I think when you look at it, if you go anywhere away from home and you pick up points, unless it's a side that's you know particularly dreadful and a cast adrift at the bottom of the table, if, if you go away and you pick up points on your travels, particularly when you're travelling right across the other side of the country, um, and then you win your home games, that's that's really you know always going to be enough to get you up. So, so I think they'll be going to places like that and saying, "Look, fellas, we'll try and win it. But if we come away with a point, and it's going to be the end of the world, and uh, you know if we move on to the next home game." So, so yeah, I, I think realistically they don't concede many. Dartford, to be fair, they've only conceded twenty-seven. So, you know, they're not prolific. They don't concede many. So, yeah, I think it would be tight. But I think if you yeah, will get a draw, I think they'll they'll take that quite happily and move on. I think that's a full house for for a starting point. I think yeah, it's going to be a draw as well.
0: I'd be happy with a one-one. Anything more than a loss is great and uh i think
1: well is, is, there's not really sorry, much is, to is
2: murphy back from suspension because obviously alex got a full 90 minutes in last night which was terrific to see him back and, and get a full 90 minutes bet he's feeling it today but, don't you
1: yeah,
2: yeah. i would imagine he's not walking too well <laughs> yeah i, I um, think
0: he i saw him limping Like we picked up thorpey from the stop uh, from the stadium we sort of parked a bit further away and came down and fisher walked across as we were getting him and he was limping so maybe he was walking
2: well, better thorpey or alex
0: <laughs> it was a competition but I think
2: it's going to quite close contest. That
0: it was great to see Fisher actually back out there as well. Obviously, only 15 minutes of action before that, and um, mm. I think he did really well, especially considering like that. Even towards the sort of 85th, 90th minute, there was a chance where it just kind of kept ricocheting off Bath players, and he kept running, took it all the way to the corner flag. I think it must have been a 60 yard run in like the 85th minute. It's, it's impressive, and uh, yeah. I think he did really well. He's uh, definitely warranting. The selection from last night, I'd, I'd say, we may well see more of him on Saturday. Yeah, but that I will make a, a difference, won't well.
1: it? Of course, getting getting Murphy back for Saturday that will make a hell of a difference because that that's your main your main focal point, yeah. especially yeah. on the break, well, he's, which which is which is particularly good at.
2: Yeah, I mean, historically, his his goals record would be better than the other three lads, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, with Hyde and Frank, and so if he's playing, it he just you know he might, he might get two chances and on score one. To be fair, the other lads might need two, you know, three or four chances before they put one away. So if he's fit, then it just gives you that little bit of an extra edge.
0: Yeah, we. I think we missed him last night. We needed a little bit of pace. We started with the two big men up top. Well, I'd actually like to ask your opinions on this before we move on. Is Alex Fisher a hold-up striker or is he a pacey striker? Because Thorpey was describing him as pacey and I'm sat there thinking, eh,
2: I'm not so sure, but I could be completely wrong. I don't think he does. I don't think he's really either. The only, the only thing, I, th- I think his attitude is unbelievable. It's terrific. Sometimes I would just like him to stay between the width of the penalty box a bit more and not go chasing off at left-back tackling people because it just dilutes actually what he can contribute at the other end. So, if anything, he's he's a very enthusiastic player. Right? You know, that's for certain.
1: Is he a hybrid?
2: He's
1: or is that he very modern
2: well of me? Oh, what, a hybrid? Yeah, jack of all trades. A very modern. Well, he is, and he's. I mean, he's not the yeah. quickest. He's He's quite good in the air. Um, you know, he old, he old his old up play is not bad. He's not a prolific goal scorer. Um he's not a battering Ram. So so he is, is a yeah. sort of like a, a seven out of ten with everything, can he? Yeah. Um but a really you know ten out of ten for attitude and he's absolutely terrific and he makes the best of himself, which is all you can never ask of players.
0: What we're saying is Alex Fisher is a central midfielder. Thought?
2: Yeah. <laughs> Possibly.
1: <laughs>
0: Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> well, I think on that on that note we will uh, move on from Yeovil everyone's saying it's going to end up as a draw it's a good way to start Um, the
1: predictions isn't it with a with a draw
0: yeah Yeah. well it's a balanced view balanced view and coming off of a win I think it's more positive than not so we'll take the positives where they come we will look at a quick review of the Premier League games that have happened midweek we won't take too much time on them as we do have a full weekend of action as well did, um, um, so just a denied...
1: point with those with those games that we're just about to review. Not wanting to preempt anything, but did the greatest team ever in the history of the world? Did they lose?
0: Well, we'll get to that one in a moment.
1: Sorry, spoilers.
0: He's getting excited. That's all he's excited, excited. about that. <laughs> We've had a good night actually thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we'll start with Wolves beating Burnley one nil. I, as we uh, well documented last week. Um, had not predicted Wolves to win a single game this season. That changed. I predicted Wolves to win, and uh, they came through for me. So that was lovely to see. We'll uh, see if that Wolves.
1: continues at the weekend, actually.
0: I've actually... I can't remember what I predicted, actually. Never mind. I have got... Uh, well, Wolves are actually in 13th now, which is great to see. They're actually one point off the top half, occupied by Chelsea in 10th. Uh, Bernie still floating about in the bottom three. Not really too much to say there to be honest. I think it was kind of expected. I don't think anyone really had any surprises coming there. But the big game on the Tuesday night was Luton three, Arsenal four. Steve will come to you obviously being involved with Luton in the past.
2: Um I'm strongly sure tied to, to this yet. one, Steve. It, it was a barnstormer. What what were your thoughts? Uh, exactly that. It was a barnstormer, wasn't it? Um and, and the difference is, like, when you get to the very top level, if you switch off for a second, you get punished. And, and unfortunately, you know, when you've got players of the quality that Arsenal have got, you you know, you know can't afford to switch off. And it, it's heartbreaking for them, really, because a point against Arsenal would have been a terrific return. And I think they got Man City this weekend as well, haven't they? Which just yeah. makes it a little bit harder. But, listen, he, he would have been absolutely, Rob, would have been absolutely delighted with the performance of the players. To go toe to toe with Arsenal for like ninety six minutes and and you know push them every inch of the way, it like we said on the last podcast, you know their attitude within the group seems to be terrific. Everybody in the club's pulling in the same direction, and they will be able to put on performances like that every now and again and, and challenge the big boys. Um, so yeah, very disappointed they dropped the point right at the death. Uh, but what a terrific game! Is it particularly really
1: uh, heartbreaking when they switch off thirty seconds after the game? was supposed to have ended as well. That's got to be
2: annoying. Yeah. Yeah, it depends which watch you've got. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's like I've a got, really slow I've, I've got,
1: but, Um I've got Sir Alex Ferguson, so we play until I yeah. say stop.
2: I suppose if it had gone in at the other end, you wouldn't have been, you know, no. people wouldn't have been saying, what's the problem with his watch? Everybody would have been delighted if you are a Luton fan. So, listen, everybody who's played football knows that there's nothing worse than conceding in the very last kick of the game because there's nothing you can do about it. You know, if you concede after 10 seconds, 15 seconds, then you've got another 89 and a half minutes to get it sorted out, haven't you? But when it happens that late in the game, you must be, you know, you're down on your knees as you saw with the pictures. And um, But he'll, he'll get a massive amount of motivation out of the fact that they were so close and they could perform that well for so long um, because they weren't expected to be close, were they, if we're honest? No, and they, um, they went
1: toe to toe with the team currently at the top of the table. So, I mean, that, that bodes well. I mean, the last last few few matches luton they've they've really acquitted themselves well and they do seem to be getting the hang of this this premier league malarkey now
0: yeah even as yeah as you say i mean played brilliantly against arsenal they beat crystal palace they've uh well they gave me the fright of my life when they drew with liverpool and uh, they gave united a good game as well so i think things are slowly turning around for them of course they've got city coming up at the weekend so that'll be an interesting one we'll be predicting that one in a bit so Luton obviously stay, uh, well, they stay near the bottom. Still 17th for now, but uh, Everton will be playing tonight and we'll wait and see if they drop into the bottom three. Um, moving on to last night's fixtures. We'll start with Brighton-Brentford finishing 2-1 in Brighton's favour. Um, actually, relating to the National League South very quickly, the manager of Worthing, I Adam Hinshelwood, his son scored last night, scored the winner, Jack Hinshelwood, um, he looked about nine. Think you, <laughs> he's eighteen, so he's is he's he? double that. Okay. he's young, he's very young. Yeah. But
2: um, I, and well. I take it Adam, I take it Adam Hinshawood is Paul Hinshelwood's son, so it's I'd a bit of a footballing so. dynasty. Mm. Looks, I think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And it's also a
0: local area. Um, yeah. I did see because again, I well, I mean, I was at Bath, but we, none of us saw it. But um, see that Brian and Bromo got subbed off in the fortieth minute with uh, an injury. Um, I'm not sure if that's anything too serious, but um, I'm sure fantasy football fans across the country will be um, hoping he's back for the weekend. But that is massive
1: um, for Brentford, isn't it? With with Tony out, everything seems to go through in Bueno, and now if he's out as yeah. well, then that's that's a real challenge for him moving
2: forward. Yeah. And the other boy is it Sharda, Kevin Sharda, the German boy? they signed yep. him out as well. So yeah, they're not having much luck, are they?
0: So Rico Henry missing as well, and Nathan Collins, two big players for them as well so yeah injuries stacking up now for brentford and they're still 11th so it goes to show that they can still plug away even with um, them the so-called backup players so yeah great performance from brighton having to beat a uh, sturdy brentford side only getting two goals out of what appears to be a ton of possession as expected um, moving on, we've got. Well, we'll touch on this one quickly. There's not really much to see here. Crystal Palace nil, Bournemouth two. Roy Hodgson having some uh, choice words for his fans, uh, and I think the fans have some choice words for Roy as well. Um, following that performance, I think there was an object thrown at Roy as they were leaving the field. So obviously, it's not good to see. But um, I think the fans are making themselves heard don't, there. Don't um, throw
1: things at pensioners. It's just unnecessary.
0: Well, don't throw things at all. To be fair, that but would pensioners be a in particular. Point, yeah. Kiefer Moore, ex Yeovil, mm-hmm. got on the goal sheet. 88th minute for him. Great to see that as well. Sorry, 91st minute. He was subbed on in the 88th minute. Good to see him getting a goal as well. Bournemouth now three wins in a row, so doing very well there.
1: What's the current status of the manager's situation? Is he safe?
0: He is now, yeah. Definitely. You've given I mean, up 15th. on that one? He's 15th, and they're nine points clear of the drop. I don't think you can ask for more than that as a Bournemouth fan. I don't think... Well, there's just not much to add to that other than Tyreek Mitchell getting injured for Crystal Palace. Going to be a big miss for them as well. Very important on their left-hand side. We'll come to a bigger game now. Fulham versus Nottingham Forest finishing 5-0 to the hosts. Now, that's not one I saw coming. I don't know about you two.
1: What happened there? <laughs> that's that's remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. Good goals as well. So, fair, fair, they? Play to, fair play to Fulham. Yeah, they scored some cracking goals in that. So totally unexpected pressure on Steve Cooper now
2: yeah I mean we said on the last podcast didn't we that if anybody was likely to get dragged back in yeah. we looked at the teams and we said that Forest were the one that might be likely to get dragged back into it and that that's quite a crushing defeat to be fair 5-0 um so but you know I saw a, I saw an interview with him today and he just said look I can't worry about people talking about me getting sacked so i just got to do what I do which is get the players back on the training ground and try and resolve some of the problems, you know. And But again, it just goes to show, didn't it, because they lost Taiwo Ione, the centre forward. Yeah. And and all of a sudden, you know, that's that was their main source of goals. Well, he and he of wasn't there at the start of the season. He was scoring He was scoring for fun. Abso- absolutely. And then, like we said, you know, it just takes a little something to change the chemistry and suddenly the wheels come off. And, you know, I can see that with Palace. That might happen for a few weeks with Palace, but Roy's too good a coach, to, I think, to let them get dragged down into a real relegation battle. And you can see the same with Bournemouth. They might win three or four games on the bounce and then suddenly it will flick and they might lose six games on the bounce. You know, thats I think that's the way those sides are.
0: Yeah, Forrest um, struggling away from home there. And as you said, Steve Cooper under some pressure now from, well, especially from the media, we should say. I still think he's fine. I think Cooper's done a great job there and I think he's got enough credit in the bank to at least get to, well, it's not far away, but Christmas. I did see as well that the owner who was in uh, attendance of of Nottingham Forest, Evangelos Maranakis threw his uh, ticket into a bush that. on the <laughs> way out. So I don't think he was too pleased with that result. And I'm hoping that uh, Cooper does make it to Saturday at least. But where...
1: some some lady found it in a garden, didn't she? His his pass to the ground. He was that yeah. cross. He threw it away.
2: Really? Yeah. It, yeah. He doesn't normally display his anger by throwing his ticket away. To be honest, <laughs> it yeah. feels like a strange you... one, doesn't it? Yeah,
0: having that had experience of Mr. Maranakis, yes. <laughs> well, we've uh, got three more from last night. Uh, we'll start with one of my favourite, well, my favourite fixture of last night of the Premier League, um, Sheffield United nil, Liverpool 2. I was very worried about this one, with new manager Bounce potentially coming in, Chris Wilder um, back in the dugout for Sheffield United. His first game for them ends in a loss. Well, first game back for them ends in a loss. And... Uh, a lovely showbush-like goal to make it two 0 Any any additional thoughts on that one? Nothing lovely to man, see Chris here. Wilder. No,
1: no, no interest in it. The only thing that really has been, have you seen the main media coverage about this game? What it's been? There was two things actually: uh, Jurgen Klopp's petulant display in the interview afterwards, where he acted like a five year old, and also Trent Alexander Arnold's bum crack, which seems to have been everywhere. Have you seen that either of <laughs> you?
2: Not really, no. His shorts got were down when he was.
1: He went to take a corner and there seems to be a picture of he's got a real builder's bum on. And that, that seems to be everywhere. No. Nah, I mean, me, Chris
2: then. Wilder, lovely bloke. Yeah. But all Sheffield United have done, really, is cost themselves a few pounds in paying off compensation to Paul Heckenbottom. Yeah. Because I don't think Chris Wilder's going to do anything different. Maybe get an extra point here or an extra point there. But is he going to save them? Don't think so.
0: Yeah, it does seem like a strange appointment. But there was a shock result of the night coming at I thought uh, you were
2: going
1: to
0: say the last one was <laughs> you, you're more shocked by this are you I think that's shocking either way so we kind of okay. expected a shock there but uh one we didn't expect at all was Aston Villa one Manchester City nil I cheered well we all cheered in the car on the way home from Bath last night when we heard that result I think we'll start with Steve on this one just because I want to see Rick's little face glow after we uh we hear some thoughts from Steve um any thoughts on the result
2: at all Steve and what this could mean for City's season Listen, it's it's not a massive surprise, to be honest. I mean, well, Villa won now something like 14 or 15 or something on the bounce at home. At home in all they're not they? they? had 22 shots at goal, seven on target. And, and Man City are, at this moment in time, not firing on all cylinders. So, you know, there couldn't be much of a word. It'd be like going to Newcastle as well, because they've got that sort of vibe at the moment. And, and Villa are one of those teams. Brilliant manager. Um, should have had longer at Arsenal when they bombed him out. Should have had longer... Um, But he's certainly shown his quality at Villa and um, nobody will want to go there and play there. So I'm not surprised. 1-0. Man City didn't really perform, so they need to sort themselves out. But I've got a dread feeling that they might just take retribution at the weekend.
1: Yeah, you wouldn't want to be in Luton shoes, would you? Come Saturday, really.
2: <laughs> of all the <laughs> I times want to, be to play Kaminsky, the goalkeeper, because he off. might have a few things to deal with.
1: But he's, he, in fairness, he's been pulling off some decent saves. I mean, I know he's he's had a lot of work to do, but he's
2: he's played well this season, from what I've seen. He, we had him at Court Trike. He was our keeper at Court Trike. Um and he's absolutely a top class kid as well. Wonderful lad, real pro, Um and obviously went to Blackburn, had a few seasons there, and then got his move to to Luton. I'm really pleased for him because he's a top top lad.
0: I think one thing that I want to take away from this is not only the fact that Aston Villa did beat City, but it seems convincing. I mean, possession-wise, 46% for Aston Villa, so slightly less possession. But 22 shots and 7 on target compared to City's 2. Like, you've limited Man City to 2 shots on target. I Well, 2 shots and 2 shots on target is unbelievable. I don't think I've seen that in a long time, if ever, under Pep.
2: Never um, had a corner, Man City. Never had a single corner. No,
0: no, they didn't. Yeah, seriously no. impressive from from Villa. And uh, they're definitely going to be one to watch um, for the European spots. And seeing if it goes into March, perhaps even a title race. I mean, it's November. Well, December now. It's, it's still early days. But um, they're certainly doing very well. They certainly, um, the, at,
1: home, at home, they just seem to... They've all mm, bought into what Emery wants them to do. And they have, have the confidence to do it. And they'll just... Seem like they're going to they're gonna take, teams, take teams apart. It's a good goal as well. Nice run they've from got Bailey.
0: That, they've got that real um, cauldron sort of atmosphere that, well, particularly on European nights that Anfield can generate and anything like that. And probably the older days of Old Trafford, where you, know, you go there and you're quaking. Um, yeah, they're doing really well at the moment. Uh, speaking of Old Trafford, the final game, that we're going to uh review before we head into this weekend's games is uh I'm sure Rick's favorite of the night uh Manchester United 2 Chelsea 1. Now I initially said this was going to be a Chelsea win, but United seemed to turn it around. Very wide open game. Um Steve, again we'll start with the before we hear Rick's thoughts on this one. Was there anything to for uh, Chelsea to be motivated by in this or was this purely a United attacking uh, masterclass Like you said I
2: think it was a very open game What I saw of it um, It flowed from end to end Didn't it Plenty of chances um, I think it's interesting Though that I mean Man United For everything you say about them The top goal scorer is Scott McTominay
1: mm-hmm.
2: Which Is a bit of a worry When you think At the start of the season They were trying to get him out He's a you know A midfield player And he's the top goal scorer So They're clearly not firing On all cylinders But neither are Chelsea um, And at the At the moment They're both Flattering to deceive A little bit I think
0: The fact that Scott McTominay has seven shots last night, and Rasmus Hoyland had one. is quite impressive, to be fair. And uh, the fact that McTominay scored two of them, you get in Scotland. Scotland, McTominay, and uh, it's a, is a, he's shown he's, his his goal scoring prowess. Maybe he should be starting up front for them. Rick, what well, the are you for? The
2: question is, though, Tom, Rick? is it quite impressive or is it quite depressing? Because if you've got <laughs> the the front players that Manchester United have got, and between them, you know they can't get cows after the banjo, basically. And Scott is having the way in with the goals from midfield. And Bruno Fernandes is having to score. And, you know, all that money they've spent on front players. Um, and Hoyland looks like over a period of time he might turn out to be a really good player, to be fair. Um, but they've got so much dead weight, haven't they, that they, oh, yeah. they really need to get rid of so they can, can refresh massively.
1: Hoyland yes. will score goals. He's, what, is he currently one-off the top goal scorer in the Champions League at the moment? It's just... Once he gets that first Premier League goal, I think that the boy's got goals in him. He looks, he looks an outstanding, outstanding prospect. He's got everything that Martial doesn't have in his attitude and his application and whatever. And McTominay, he just bombs on. He did actually, um, Scott McTominay's second goal, he did sort of take it off Hoyland's head. So he could have had that one himself. But it was wide open. United squandered a penalty, which was a penalty. Chelsea scored from like the one one shot on target that they had in the first first half. United should have had this game home and host by a, after about half an hour there was that many opportunities and I think it's the reaction to everything that's happened at the club since the since the Newcastle game. The, the the journalists that are quite happy to uh have their contacts in the in the changing room and then put it in the press without giving the club a, a right of reply weren't allowed into the press conference, which is an old Fergie trick and quite right too. You've got to create a little bit of a siege mentality. And the players showed that if, if you're putting out stories that 50% of the dressing room want the manager out and aren't happy with what he's doing, and then the team put in a shift like they put in, I think that that's contrary to the story that's been put out.
2: That that might not be the 50% of the players who <laughs> want But they're all sat <laughs> on the bench. I mean, Vran couldn't even, get, the, on the, couldn't even yeah. get on the bench. I- Rick, I've got to correct you on something, though, because I'm pretty sure Chelsea had more than one shot in the first half, because I'm pretty sure, unless I was dreaming it, that I actually saw a nana saver come out and block one with his body.
1: Yeah, but that was and because not Jackson, him do that so too does that often. actually count as a shot on target if it's, if it's Jackson? Does that count as a legitimate if, attempt if he, on if goal? If he
2: blocks, if he get, I'm giving it as a save to him, because he's had okay. a bad time, poor kid, so I'm putting it down as a save for my nana. Yeah. Oh, I was
1: I was talking in general terms as a percentage, shall we say? Yeah, percent. I think United had actually in the in the first half, I think their their XG was something ridiculous. Again, I know Tom loves a bit of XG, but it was the th- highest in a half. I don't know what the number is, so I can't back that up. But I think it was the highest in any half in the uh, in the Premier League so far this season.
0: And with that, we shall look ahead to this weekend's fixtures rick has decided he is not gonna carry on with us he's uh he's just disappeared and uh i'm well hopefully he'll join us we may not have him back though um in which case you're stuck with me and steve which i'm sure will be plenty enough for the listeners at home we have got well we'll jump straight into it steve we've got six fixtures on the saturday and um, we'll start with the lunchtime kickoff of course obviously it's the liverpool fixture as we are well aware, this is the the ideal Liverpool fixture time. Uh, it's Crystal Palace this time, uh, hosting the Reds. Um, obviously, Liverpool winning, as we said um, earlier on, Liverpool winning uh, away from home in uh, well against a, a tricky Sheffield United side, and Palace losing at home. Could you see the same happening again today? Today on Saturday, I should say.
2: What an away win for Liverpool! Um, yeah, I think it's very likely, if I'm honest. Um... Obviously, Jürgen made quite a, a thing, didn't he, about the fact that they've got to play again at lunchtime on Saturday, so restricted rest and all that sort of stuff. But, I mean, I'm just looking at Palace's last five home games. They've scored in one of them, and that was a 3-2 home defeat to Everton. So, it doesn't really bode well for them. I think Roy Hodgson's a terrific manager, but they're in a bad place at the moment. Um, so, Liverpool won four of their last six away games and drawn two in all competitions so at this moment in time you'd, you'd probably have to go for Liverpool wouldn't you and 2-0 would seem probably a, a reasonable sort of margin I think so yeah I'd go for a 2-0 away win
0: I've, I've gone even bigger I think this could be a game where Nunez gets on the score sheet and just causes mayhem Palace's confidence being at an all-time low Generally, I'm usually pretty worried about Palace When whenever we go to them. They always give us a good game when they host us, as I think back to Cristian Bull and try and wipe that from my head. But I think this time, I think we're going to have too much for them, and it's going to be a 4-0 for me. Um, Palace sinking further into the abyss. Um, oh. Uh, yeah, I know. I don't usually go bold on Liverpool ones either, so I'm I'm excited to say that one. And uh, I'm sure if Rick was here, he would agree. I think that would be a 4-0 from Rick as well, so um, we'll put that in his name. Um, we'll move on to the 3 o'clock fixtures. Of course, four of them. Uh, we will start with uh, the, well, it's the B derby, I suppose. It's Brighton and Hove Albion hosting Burnley. Uh, Burnley, obviously, losing midweek to Wolves and Brighton winning at home uh, against Brentford, do you see this as a, a good chance for Brighton to start building some momentum again? I mean, they lost against Chelsea in the league, but uh, then beat Bright, uh, Brentford. Before that, they were still unbeaten in their previous three.
2: Yeah, again, it's like Burnley have come up and they try and play football, don't they? The, what people would say in inverted commas in the right way. They try and get it on the floor, play through the thirds, lots of movement. The, the the young front player now, the Italian boy, is injured, isn't he? He's out for for probably six or seven months now. The winger. Whose name escapes me at this moment. Um, and Brighton are a really, really good footballing side, and they've got you know we said before they've got a, a variety of players they bring in and drop out, and he's changed the side a lot. But I think they've got whatever they put on the on the pitch, they've got 11 better footballers than Burnley, and they'll try and play in similar sort of ways. Um, so I, I'd go for a three-one home win. I think I think there's some distance between the quality of the two sides. Uh,
0: I have gone slight well, I I agree it's definitely gonna be a Brighton win. I've gone for a three nil. It's it's bizarre that Burnley can win five nil at home and still nobody has any confidence in them. It's it's almost an impressive feat at that point. A bit sad but impressive. I mean obviously losing against to, to Wolves and Brighton being Brighton, yeah. I see it being an easy three nil. I wouldn't actually be surprised. Oh, I say that. I was gonna say Ansu Fati would score, I forgot he's injured, so there'll be goals. Goals, 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 yeah. as uh, Mr. Pryor would say. Koliosho
2: um, yeah. is the name of the boy. I've just remembered it. Koliosho, the winner. Yes.
0: Yeah. Um, he's about, but yeah. he's
2: injured. They reckon he's going to be out for five or six months. And they said he might get back before the end of the season, but they're not expecting too much. So, And he's been quite lively for them, really. And obviously, with they, they lost the front player, didn't they? The South African boy who's, who's got some like mental issues and was struggling psychologically, said the pressure was really causing him problems. So, you know, going forward, it's not great for them. Um and they do try and play football and they get picked off at times. And I just think Brighton are better players all, all over the pitch.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, well, you've hit the nail on the head there. It's a shame that Collioshi's uh, is out injured, as you say. I mean, it reminds me a little bit of um Eze, just dangerous when he's on the ball. He can always cause something. And he's still young as well. I, I forget how young he is. He's only 19. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, really, really a, a big miss for them. Moving on to the next three o'clock fixture, we have got Manchester United hosting Bournemouth. Bournemouth, of course, I've been, uh, well, I'm known on here to be, um, I I bashed them a little bit. I've said for the past couple of weeks that um, their managers should be sacked. And since then, uh, they've gone (laughs) unbeaten with three wins and one draw. Do you see them causing a
2: potential shock here at Old Trafford? Uh, No, to be honest, I'm sure if if Rick was with us, he'd he'd be predicting probably a four nil home win. If Thorpey was here, it'd be a probably a one nil away win for Bournemouth or something. But I, I think Manu just have a little bit too much for them, to be honest. And you know, we said earlier that Bournemouth are the sort of side that they could go on a run with the sort of way they play and the players they've got. They could go on a run if they're confident where they win four or five games on the bounce, which which they you know I think it's three at the moment. But I just can't see them going to Manchester United and winning. I think Manchester United are probably just finding some sort of semblance of order and shape amongst all the chaos. Um, so I'll go for a two-one home win. Before I touch on my prediction
0: as well, I'll see United winning midweek. Uh, that puts them nine points behind Arsenal, and they're only three points outside the top four. Is are things better than you think they? Are sort of being displayed as at United, or do you think there's still some really serious issues? Is maybe a case of where they're getting bashed week in, week out, and nobody's really realizing that they're actually doing well. I mean, they're ahead of Newcastle. Admittedly, they've still got to play tonight, but three yeah. points behind Manchester City is no mean feat.
2: No, well, I think part of the problem is that they're, they're always going to be compared with the great sides that Manchester United have produced through the Ferguson years. And you're going to look at them and say, well, that's not a real Man United team. You know, they don't play the Man United way. And there's there's been so much moving and changing. Managers have coming and going. Players being bought who, who come nowhere near the standard. So, I, I suppose, like everything else, they're up there, aren't they, to be shot at. Um, and they're giving plenty of ammunition to people to shoot at them. So, I don't think it is great for Manchester United. I think if this was, you know, if this was one of the lesser sides having this sort of season, people would probably be saying, well, you ain't doing bad, lads. But this is Man United. You know, they shouldn't be teetering around the edges of a European qualification. They should be fighting for the title year in, year out. And with that, I think I will uh, hand out my
0: prediction now. I've actually got... United are a really tricky team to predict because sometimes you think they'll turn up and they don't. Sometimes you think they won't and they will. Um, I've gone for a one-all draw. Um, I'm going to actually back with a bit here and say, I mean... Four on the bounce without a loss and three wins involved in that as well. In the Premier League, it's it's impressive, especially with some of the... Well, they've spent well, but um, they've got injuries as well. Uh, two of those going away from home as well, those wins. So yeah. I'm going to say a, a one-all draw. I think United, the pressure will be back on and then it'll be up to them to uh, sort it out on the Tuesday or Wednesday.
2: Uh, I'm not sure. I think it's Champions League week again, isn't it, next week? Yeah. Um, my, my phone's just run and it was Iriola, yeah. the Bournemouth manager. And he said, could you possibly predict that they would lose again? (laughs) I switch it. It's a
0: 2-1 He's not too
2: happy that you're predicting them getting a positive result.
0: (laughs) Everything's gone wrong. There's an imbalance somewhere. We will move on to the next fixture. We've got Sheffield United hosting Brentford. Um, Chris Wilder, of course, well, second game in charge, back with the Blades, um, taking on Brentford, who uh, lost away to Brighton on oh, Tuesday, sorry, on Wednesday night. How do you see this one going for Sheffield United? Of course, they lost at home, but it was, again, it's Liverpool. Liverpool are, are top side as well. Brentford going yeah. away to a tricky Brighton team.
2: I can see a little bit of respite for them, to be honest. I think they might get a point, especially if Mbwain injured as well at Brentford. Um, they've already lost you know, Tony, um, like we said earlier in the, in, the, in the podcast. So I don't think Brentford are, are going to be at their best, um, but I still expect them to be good enough to go to Sheffield and get a point. Uh, and I think at this moment, you know, Sheffield United will take any points they can get as well. So um, I'll go for one all.
0: I've gone for a 2-1, but it's a valiant 2-1. I've gone for a 2-1 Brentford, I should say. I think there's a, it's going to be a, a good effort. It may well be that Brentford get a 2-0 lead and you think they're comfortable, get a, a late-ish goal. Maybe Cameron Archer knocking one in. Obviously, Ollie McBurnie is suspended, so it won't be him available either. Um, so I think, yeah, we could have a, a late, a late drama, but um, not quite enough for them to get themselves on the board with uh, Chris Wilder in
2: charge. Yeah, they'll probably bring Billy Sharp on as an 87th minute substitute. One,
1: they... <laughs> <laughs> him out of your time and bring yeah. him on as <laughs> 87th
2: minute substitute, <laughs> and, and he he he'll proved... go and r- rifle one in the top corner. He proved. But now they, got they it. just need something that they Sheffield United, a little bit of hope of some sort. And I think a uh, think a point, they'd probably take that as a first step to at least give them a glimmer of hope. But I can't see them getting more than a point.
0: Yeah, I think I'd agree. I don't see a win. If they were to get anything, it would be a point. But I've gone for a Brentford win and I'll uh, wait and see how wrong I am when uh, we do the next pod. Uh, The final three o'clock kickoff is uh, Wolves playing host to Nottingham Forest. Nottingham Forest, of course, back on their travels following the 5-0 loss against Fulham, whilst Wolves beat Burnley at home on Tuesday night. Still no Jose Sar for Wolves. It seemed no problem as they kept a clean sheet on the Tuesday. Do you think this is going to be another win for Wolves
2: to keep their momentum going? Yeah, I, yeah, I do. Um, you would expect, wouldn't you, some sort of reaction from Forrest. Um, they are under pressure and they're really under the microscope as well now, having I mean, lost 5-0 away at Fulham, um, who are not you know, one of the shining lights of the Premier League. So Wolves are a similar sort of status club to Fulham, I think. Um, the sort of side where Forrest would expect to be able to go and get a result in better times. But I just think Wolves, again, having won, Forest confidence will be down. Um, so I would go for a 2-1 home win. I've nearly matched you on that
0: one. I've gone for a 2-0. Um, also to Wolves. Wolves are much better than I give them credit for. And I think it's time to start recognizing their quality as well. I mean, Forrest, it's going to be a case of they're going to get a win from somewhere and it's not going to be where we expect it, where we're going to be like, yep, lost, lost, lost. They'll get one surprise. It'll be like an, well, an Arsenal or something and go, oh, wow, they've still got it. But yeah, I don't see anything for them this weekend, especially still without Taiwo Awanigi as well. So I do think it's going to be a 2-0 Wolves victory. And uh, moving on to the, uh, there's only one evening kickoff this weekend it's uh Aston Villa playing host to Arsenal that's a real mouth-watering tie there of course Aston Villa winning um against Manchester City the reigning champions on Wednesday night whilst Arsenal on Tuesday scored a last gasp winner against Luton again as we said earlier how do you see this one going do you think Aston Villa could cause another shock
2: I've actually gone for a two-all draw. But I think it's a terrific game to look at when you look at the players and the way they're both performing. And you've got the Unai Emory connection as well, obviously following his spell at Arsenal. Um, so I think, yeah, I think it's going to be a top, top game. And um, I've, I've gone for a tall draw because I can't see either of them keeping the clean sheet. I've also gone
0: for a 2-2 draw. Again, it's just going to be an absolute barnstorm. I'm, I'm actually gutted that I, uh, well, I say gutted. I'm looking forward to bringing commentary on Saturday for Dartford, but... I'm going to have to find a way to make sure I've got data to uh, to watch that one on the way home. Because, again, that's going to be an absolute cracking game. And I think Ollie Watkins could get a goal. I think Kai Havertz could continue his good run. Uh, you just have to wait and see, I suppose. But I think, yeah, it's going to be a 2-2. And uh, Villa are really going to start stamping themselves as a, a, a European
2: spots contender at the bare minimum. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the good things about both of them is they're not solely reliant on one person to score them goals. You know they get they can get got Ollie Watkins scores some, but Bailey scores goals. Oh, the midfield player Douglas Luiz scores goals. You know they've got they've got quality across the side really, and Arsenal the same. So I think it's just it will be a really really open, entertaining game. But you know two coaches have obviously come up through similar sort of backgrounds. Um, it's it's going to be a fascinating game to watch, but and it and it and it should be an absolute barnstormer.
0: And with that, we will move to the sunday games there are four games to look at left we've actually made good time tonight so we may well look at some news coming into it um we will start sorry coming to the end of the episode um we will start with the first of the three two o'clock fixtures everton playing host to chelsea now this could be a real banana skin for chelsea considering everton have uh, been on the rise as of recent. Of course, Chelsea lost against Manchester United on uh, Wednesday night, whilst Everton uh, are playing uh, tonight, as we record this. uh, They'll be playing host to Newcastle. Um, How do you see this one going, Steve Rutter?
2: Well, like like you were just saying about one of the other sides, you really don't know what sort of Chelsea's going to turn up. They scored four at Burnley, they scored four at Spurs, and they get battered at West Ham. And Everton are just, under Sean Dyche, we said right from the start, didn't we? Under Sean Dyche, they will develop a personality, a style of play. They'll be belligerent. They'll be hard-working. They won't be overly exciting, necessarily. But they will just grind out results all over the place. And I I don't think it suits Chelsea, to be honest, to go and play a team like that. So I'm going for a a 2-1 Everton win, and I think they'll just keep their, their momentum going. I have gone for a one all draw, and I'm not sure why. I, I had it down
0: initially as an Everton one 0 win, but I just feel like there could be a fluke goal or maybe a Cole Palmer penalty. I'm not sure. I just I can't see it being a Chelsea win. That's as much as I know. But I've I, I've switched from a win to a draw. One all draw. Yeah. Um,
2: it's a bit. It's a bit like the Man United game, isn't it? Look, you can see Chelsea scoring goals against anybody because at moments they uh, they cut through size. They've got so much pace um, when they go forward. But you just can't see them keeping a clean sheet either. So I think teams like Everton, who won't commit as many bodies forward probably, won't be as, as vulnerable to being counted on. They'll have a better shape, be more solid and they'll play off percentages. And I just don't think that suits Chelsea because I'm not sure they've got the the robustness to deal with that sort of stuff. So that's why I've gone for Everton because I think over, over 90 minutes, they'll just grind them down. Yeah, I think
0: that's a, that's a good call. We will move on to the next two o'clock fixture. One that I'm not necessarily looking forward to, it is Fulham versus West Ham. Now, it is, I can't imagine it being the first of match of the day. That's all I'll say. I'm not going to say it's last, but I've well, I've been wrong on that one in the past. But uh, what are your thoughts? Obviously, Fulham uh, beating Forest 5-0 midweek and uh, West Ham playing tonight against, I have forgotten who they're playing against. Spurs. Oh, it's Spurs, Spurs. tonight. That's West a South. tricky game for them.
2: Um, well, Fulham have used up their monthly quota of goals in one game, haven't they? Five against Forest, so that that's probably them done. But I'm loath to go for a nil-nil draw, so I'm going to go for one-one.
0: I've gone for a nil-nil. Oh, <laughs> we're th- we're <laughs> thinking along I was, similar I was lines.
2: Determined to avoid a nil-nil at
0: any any prediction. I don't think I've given too many nil-nils at all this season, but I'm not sure why. I just feel like looking at the strikers of. Jimenez versus Antonio, it doesn't inspire me. Jimenez not the force he used to be. Of course, he used to be an absolutely brilliant striker, but I think they're both missing something. If anyone's going to score, I think it's going to be West Ham. But I just see it being a nil-nil. I think they're going to be tired. And obviously West Ham have got to prepare for midweek football next week again as well with the Europa League. So I think it's going to be a nil-nil. It's just going to be a dead rubber And we've got one more two o'clock fixture. This is the televised fixture. And I think it's the correct call for once. They've gone for Luton Town hosting the Champions Manchester City. The ultimate underdog story. The the little plucky Luton versus the gargantuan Manchester City. What have you gone for here, Steve?
2: It breaks my heart, but I have to be guided by realism. And I I think it might be 3-0 to Man City. I really I just I, I don't want it to be but I just think you know they are they're going to be hurting from getting beat at Villa they've been in for a little bit of criticism if if they get ahead early they could they could run riot you know that's the problem with Man City if on their good days they could score five or six against anybody and so I I fear a little bit for Luke and I hope it doesn't happen but I, I've gone for 0-3 I thought that was probably a, a happy medium
0: I've gone a little bit kinder I've gone for a 2-0 City I think and they're going to get to half-time at 0-0, come out in the second half and give City a go. I think two late goals will do it. And I think everyone will go home saying Luton did themselves proud. I think it is going to be a 2-0 City, though I, I can't see much past that. Yeah. Then again, I said Arsenal were going to win quite comfortably and that ended up being a, a hell of a game. So, again, still could be wrong. It is Barclays yeah. after all.
2: And, and and that's the other thing as well, isn't it? That like they've put in such a shift against Arsenal. You know, the physicality, the demands for Luton players to compete with that. Because for, for whatever reason, and I'm not, not quite sure it happens, the players at the very top level just... Maybe they use less energy to do the same amount of work because they're just more efficient. But the Luton lads would have put in an unbelievable shift to to stay in that game for as long as they did. Like we said, were well, have taking a lot from it in terms of knowing they can compete. But can they do it again twice in a week against another elite-level side... With the same degree of intensity, have they got the depth of squad to freshen it up and have the legs? And I'm not sure they will have, and, and I just, I just think they'll get they'll get found out a little bit by Man City. But listen, they lose at home to Man City; it's probably a game that they'd written off anyway. So um, it's not when they were hanging their hat on for getting three points. And um, with that,
0: we come to the final game of the weekend. It is Tottenham. And I'm not going to say the full name because Rick, Rick uh, ridicules me for that. Tottenham versus Newcastle United, the four thirty kickoff. Rick's favourite team in action
2: on TV once again. How do you see this one going, Steve? Well, if either of them can actually get eleven fit players on the pitch, because they're both suffering massively with injuries, aren't they? You may end up watching a seven-a-side game across the pitch just because of that. I've gone for one-one to sheer injuries. Yeah, yeah I just think it, it limits their options. I think you know, both of them would probably take one-one at the start um and i'm and i'm not sure anybody's going to take any undue risk to to push so they're both lacking a little bit in terms of what they could put on the field so have either of them got enough to win it i'm i'm not really sure so i'm going for
0: 1-1 i think newcastle have got that kind of grit that is important for for sides that want to show they are truly ready to contend for European spots, for Champions League spots, for yeah. Premier League titles. If you're going to go that far down the line, but I think they're going to get a two-one win here. I think they're going to grind it out. Spurs being in a bad run of form as well, missing their key man in James Madison and and Van Der Ven as well. I mean, Newcastle are missing essentially a squad's worth, but they've still been getting yeah. points on the board. So, but,
2: but but then Spurs go up to Man City and claw their way back into the game and equalize at the death, and you know so. I, I, that's what I say I think again Newcastle you know, ran Manchester United ragged didn't they um, and could have won should have won by a lot more so yeah I mean I, I wouldn't say you're miles off that I mean you might they might nick a win I mean all these games realistically we, you know, we predict a one all. it could be 2-1 couldn't we we predict a 1-0 it could be a 2-0 but I, I don't think there'll be a lot to separate the two teams that's for sure
0: yeah I think um, I, I certainly don't think that it draws a bad call either so we'll just have to wait and see and with that we do appear to have come to the end. We do have a returning Rick Hyatt. He's turned up for the final five minutes, the cheeky sod. We're going to get some quick fire. We've got Hello. five minutes left of our session. We're going to go quick fire on you, Rick. It's going to be a little bit okay. different now. So, right, we've got... We're going to give you ten seconds for each for each prediction. I'm going to even time you. Do you want me. a
1: bonus? I've got a bonus for you as well. A bonus, bonus, bonus. bonus. I've got Dave surprise predictions as well. Oh...
0: This is a bumper episode. We've never had this before. Poor Steve's
1: nodding off. Sorry about that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right, you've got 10 seconds for each prediction. Are you ready? Go ahead, go. And then we'll do Dave's afterwards. Three, two, one.
1: Oh, me? Okay.
0: Yeah, Palace versus Liverpool. One all. Brighton versus Burnley.
1: Brighton two, Burnley nil.
0: Manchester United, Bournemouth.
1: Uh, Manchester United two, Bournemouth nil.
0: Sheffield United, Brentford.
1: Uh, Sheffield United, one. Brentford, one. Ooh.
0: Wolves versus Forest.
1: Wolves, two. Forest, nil. Aston Villa versus Villa. Uh, Aston Villa versus Arsenal, even. I think Villa will draw with Villa. <laughs> <laughs> Villa against Arsenal, on the other hand. I, they, oh, I've i just seen what Dave Price predicted for that. I, I'm going to go a little bit different to him. I think that will be a two-all draw.
0: Same as us, you're on fire. Everton oh, versus blimey. Chelsea on Sunday.
1: Everton two, Chelsea one. Oh, Steve, gone the same. Fulham yeah. versus West Ham. He's a wise man, that Steve. Right, I've always said that. At <laughs> uh, Fulham one, West Ham one.
0: Luton. That's the same as Steve again. Oh no!
1: Have you been listening. Have Will you, you listened listen to our conversation on? just off screen? <laughs> there you go. Steve's a genius. Luton versus Manchester City. Luton. One, Manchester City three. And finally, Tottenham Hotspur
0: versus Newcastle.
1: Tottenham Hotspur's one, Newcastle one. Boom, just as it is, 10 second
0: mark. And with that, that's Rick Hyatt's predictions. We'll just hear from, uh, well, Dave Pryor through the uh, the physical form of Rick Hyatt. Go on then. then so, tell me
1: some pictures and I'll tell you some. This is what Dave Hilda thinks.
0: This is (laughs) Chief Executive, Dave Pryor. Crystal Palace versus Liverpool. Palace nil, Liverpool two. Brighton versus Burnley.
1: Brighton one, Burnley nil.
0: Manchester United versus Bournemouth.
1: Manchester United two, Bournemouth one.
0: Sheffield United
1: versus Brentford. This is like doing the proper result, but (laughs) but from Dave's head. He was doing them last night in the car.
0: Sheffield United, one. Brentford, two. He's gone the same as me. Beautiful. Wolves versus Forest. Wolves, three. Forest, nil. Ooh. Aston Villa versus Arsenal.
1: Aston Villa, three. Arsenal, two. Ooh.
0: Everton versus Chelsea. A one-all draw. Lovely. I've agreed with that as well. Fulham versus West Ham. Fulham two, West Ham, one.: It's the Ham Derby. Luton versus. City.: A Luton one, Manchester City two. Ooh. And finally, Spurs versus Newcastle.:
1: Right, I bet you can predict this because knowing Dave Hillil as you do, what would he predict for that game? What's his favorite score of any score in the whole world?
0: Oh, he's gone Desmond Danny. He's gone Desmond. 2-2. Two, two. Absolutely. And with that, I leave you with uh, some news that's just dropped. Pep Guardiola has suggested he will retire if they defend everything. If they win another treble, he'll retire on the spot. So please win everything, and then he can go away. And he'll make our no lives much
1: last time anyway, so it doesn't matter. That's what true. if they win? If they won the league and a cup or two.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and with that... Lovely jab from Rick to end uh, the podcast. Uh, we will say goodbye. Uh, Steve, thank you very much for uh, joining us once again.
2: That's well, a pleasure, mate. Enjoyed it. Thank you. I'll wait for the results at the weekend.
0: <laughs> Listening afterwards, we can see how silly we sound. Uh, Rick Hyatt, thank you for coming back, actually, to join us for the end of this one.
1: A very much a part time member of the pod, it would seem, at <laughs> the moment. It's ages since I've done a whole one, but there you go. We try. Thank you very much for your patience. I got there in there
0: the end, end. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a it's a goodbye from myself, Tom Bailey. You can join us on Saturday. It'll be myself and Ian Welsh for coverage of Dartford from about ten to three, five to three, and with that, we'll just bid you a good evening. And you've been listening to Football Bloody Hell.